Kelly, you look like you're in a, are you in a car? I'm in a car in a garage, so it's completely quiet. <laughs> She's in her garage. I love that. At least we're like, I could go get in my closet and sit and rock. It's my studio. Welcome to another edition of Good and Grounded, a podcast dedicated to highlighting what's happening in our Colorado communities in the year that just keeps the hits on coming 2020. Uh, if you've been listening, you know the format. We take about 15 to 20 minutes to shed some light on an important issue or uh, our community is facing and then try to leave you with a tangible way or two that you can get involved helping your community and supporting one another. I'm Jim Licko, co-founder of the Denver-based digital marketing agency, Center Table. And I'm Laura Love, founder of the communications agency, Ground Floor Media, and co-founder with Jim of Center Table. As Jim mentioned, we've been talking about several big issues impacting our Colorado community. But in this episode, we're going to take a little broader look at how the business world in general has been impacted by and since reacted to COVID-19. We're pleased to have one of my favorite Coloradans join us today, Kelly Bruff. As president and CEO of the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce, Kelly's main focus is putting more Coloradans to work in great jobs, a task that obviously has grown in several ways over the past six months or so. Uh, a Montana girl who may or may not have started her career at the local Dairy Queen before employment at her age was technically legal. Uh, some of you may know her as the first female snowplow driver at Stapleton International Airport. Some may remember her as the chief of staff of then Mayor John Hickenlooper, uh, and many of us regard her as a strong but amazingly vulnerable leader who's always willing to jump in and help out, always willing to find creative solutions, and always willing to inject a great sense of humor into the conversation. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thanks, Jim and Laura, for having me on. And great intro, Jim. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, if you're going to introduce Kelly, you have to put some thought and effort into it. So that was that was the goal there. Um, so there, there's obviously been a lot that has transpired since March, uh, and I know we've all had our own personal experiences, shared experiences, um, but set the table for this discussion today at a high level for the Denver business community standpoint. Where do we stand now? And without spoiling the state of the small business uh, presentation on October 28th, um, what does our economic forecast look like heading into the, the, the last part of the year here? The economy is definitely coming back. I'll give you some statistics in a minute, but I do want to say you know, none of us expected to be in this situation as long as we've been in, and none of us expected for the pandemic to last as long as what we now understand we're going to be dealing with this. And so let me give you some context. Unemployment is not a perfect measure, uh, but it is a comparable one. So we can compare the imperfectness over time. Our unemployment rate in August was 6.7%. Just as a reminder, in 2019, our unemployment rate was 2.8% throughout the year. So we were one of the best in the nation. But in June, we hit 10.5. So over 700,000 Coloradans have filed unemployment claims since we came into the pandemic in mid-March. Today, we have about 240,000 still collecting unemployment. And so that context, while those are huge numbers, we're faring better than most of the nation. As a matter of fact, we're 47th out of 50 states uh, for our unemployment filings. And that's good news. You want to be toward the end of the pack on this one because that means fewer people out of work. We've had industries that this has just been devastating. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out the longer you're unemployed, the greater the financial consequences are for you and your family. 
So we're really working hard to look at where do we see those high unemployment. The city of Denver itself is one of the top five regions in our state with the highest unemployment. It's due to the concentration probably of those arts venues, entertainment venues, hospitality. Uh, Gilpin County though is another one, uh, one of the highest unemployment rates in our state. It's actually the highest right now, but they're so dependent on a casino industry and that's an industry that just can't be working. So real challenging. Now I'm gonna give you some good news though. Uh, about 59% of the jobs in the private sector have been recovered since the pandemic began. So we're slowly getting people back to work. Just really important. The state's revenues, the most recent fiscal forecasts, were $900 million better than what was forecasted in the last forecast in March. Uh, but this is still a big reduction in our general fund, about a, almost 12% reduction in our general fund. And it's the largest reduction in our history. We're talking a $1.6 billion deficit at our state. So we have real challenges ahead. But we're ranked as a top metro for recovery in the nation still. And I think that's what we're focused on is getting people back to work as fast as we can. With people working from home, maybe for a lot longer than we originally thought. And there's sort of this big question about the future of commercial real estate. What are you hearing right now regarding these issues and, and where does a city like Denver go, you know, to keep us that vibrant core that we've been building for so many years? I'm going to start with a pre-COVID. We had the largest percentage in the nation of people working from home. Still very small numbers, as you all know, uh, but we were one of the largest. And I think that actually assisted us in going remote pretty quickly and being able to retain quite a few jobs. But your question is getting at, you know, how, how remote are we all going to stay? And I would say most companies still recognize a few things and their employees are reminding them how important these things are. You know, that old Maslow hierarchy of needs, you know, back in the olden days when we were young, uh, belonging is on that hierarchy and belonging really matters and being together. And we've seen increased need for mental health services and support. So there's a recognition that coming together in the workplace fulfills more than just the work itself. We also know innovation occurs when we're all together. When we're working remotely, it's much harder to create a culture of innovation and new ideas. Our companies and our employees are missing that creative aspect of teams being in space together. So we are not hearing a ton of companies saying, I'm walking away from my space. They certainly might be slowing any decisions to expand or grow their space. I'd say that it, people are looking forward to figuring out how they can come back into that workplace. But I think you'll also see long-term people working more from home, uh, having more flexibility in that work. So I don't think we're going to walk away from our downtown or our offices, uh, but I think you're going to see us use them differently. And you guys do so much for small businesses. Well, all businesses, but being selfish, thinking about small businesses in, in Denver and in Colorado. We're obviously, as small business owners, working hard to find opportunities in this current economy. So talk to us a little bit about what resources exist, either via the chamber or otherwise, for our smaller local businesses that may need some help right now. Yeah, Laura, these are, you know, the employers we really have needed to focus on our smallest businesses. Of our 3,000 members, 95% of them are small business. 
and a number are nonprofits to belong to their Chamber of Commerce. And that's who's really expressed a need for support. And so back in March, as everybody was going remote, frankly, our team not only had to go remote, but increase service to try to make sure those particularly smaller employers understood exactly how to access resources that were available to them. And some of those resources are still available. So our Small Business Development Center took over 1,900 emails and phone calls during just the first weeks of the pandemic. We created a website specific with resources. So at denverchamber.org slash COVID, not only are those resources for the employer, but also for the employees. We held networking and put our uh, companies direct with experts from our small business administration at the federal level uh, to banks and individuals who could assist them locally. What we're focusing on now is getting people back to work and making sure we can get those employees maybe who've been laid off or furloughed back into full-time jobs. So we've launched a new job board and not only do we have job postings for people, but we also have information about how to start your own company, entrepreneurship, and how we can uh, provide service and support for people to do that. In 2008, 2009, we were known for the speed at which we could help people start new companies. And that really helped our economy then, uh, and we think it can help again now. I think incredible innovation comes out of times like this, right? We see a lot of entrepreneurs decide to start their own businesses during downturns and tough economic times. So thank you for that. Laura, That I, I just want to emphasize how true that is, right? And to Jim's intro, as we started this conversation, you know, the pandemic is really just one piece of what we're really looking at this year and understanding as a nation. And I have to spend a minute on the disparities around race and gender that are really coming to light uh, for so many people in our country. And we at the chamber have very specific initiatives focused just on that. Prosper Colorado, we started this work about three years ago. And, it, and one of the key areas of focus is entrepreneurship, recognizing that only 11.4% of Colorado's businesses are started by women. Highest number in the nation, by the way, least disparity, but women are 47% of our population. Black and Hispanic populations start about 5% of our small businesses. We absolutely know there's huge potential here. So we also focus on these issues as a disparity and close those gaps and help people start those companies. That's awesome. And and thank you for bringing that up, Kelly, because I know that's a, been an initi initiative that we have been involved with along with the Chamber and with the Chamber's Leadership Foundation for the past couple of years. And it'll be something that's top of mind for hopefully the foreseeable future until we fix the, some problems. So along those lines, though, starting on January 1, the Colorado Equal Pay for Equal Work Act is set to go in effect, which is kind of a parallel situation to what we're talking about. I know the Chamber has hosted some educational webinars on the issue, but what are the key things that employers or employees need to know about this new legislation as we look forward to 2021? Yeah, Jim, thanks for bringing this up. You know, federal laws have governed uh, the requirement that you pay people fairly, uh, no matter their gender. Uh, in this case, it's focused on gender. Colorado passed this new law, Equal Pay for Equal Work Act, uh, but they added a few additional requirements to it. And it is important people understand some of those changes. And, and some of the things are that employees can go straight to court to resolve if they have a dispute about what they think is an equal pay violation. Uh, 
there's a two-year statute of limitations now uh, that uh, up to three years of back pay can be included. And so what employers are really needing to focus on is, you know, how do you ensure you're paying the same amount of money for substantially similar work? And work is really defined based on the skill required to perform it, the effort, the level of responsibility, some changes for some employers. Most of us have not been asking for pay history for some time, recognizing that you actually can be um, continuing disparities that occur around pay based on race or gender. But under this law, it's uh, illegal to ask for that pay history in applications or interviews. You can ask for people's salary requirements or their expectations. It also is going to require that you have job descriptions for a position and you have a range of pay or a compensation plan for those. Again, the whole idea is that people then have an expectation and an understanding of what they're interviewing for and what they're going to be paid. It helps us make sure we're paying everyone fairly. By the way, Jim, you under this law could still justify paying people differently, but it's going to have to be documented. You need to be able to show it. It's going to be issues of seniority or merit, the quantity or the quality of the production of work. Geography could be a rationale for why you might pay someone different. Education, training, or experience. Maybe if you require travel. Those are the kinds of things, but they're going to have to be pretty concrete and you need to be able to show them. And then the last thing I'll mention about it is when it comes to promotions under this new law, you're going to really have to document those promotions. And this really gets at making sure that current employees are having the opportunities presented to them to compete for those promotions. So this would be what are the minimum qualifications? Uh, what's the hiring range? What's the job description? Very similar to when you're advertising for a new job. And of course, you need to keep records for uh, these jobs uh, so that if an issue comes up, you can document it. All this goes into effect on January 1st. Lots of questions about will it be delayed given the pandemic? The answer is no. There's no action that can be taken because the legislature is not in session prior to an effective date. So it will absolutely be in place. We have a webinar with experts talking about this issue. You can see it on our website at denverchamber.org and learn even more. But I appreciate you bringing it up because we want to make sure our employers are complying with that law. Yeah, you beat me to it. I was going to plug your webinar and your, your website uh, as just a place to go for more information, but certainly something that I think is important, not only for employers, but obviously for employees as well to know their rights, to know what, what uh, rights they have afforded to them under this new legislation. So thank you. So we anticipate this podcast will air before the election. And given that we aren't that far away from it, and the last thing we want to do is make this a political podcast, but sort of outside the presidential politics, talk to us about how you could and how we can encourage employers to engage their employees in helping to get out the vote and in the election process, and really the importance for voter turnout this year. In Colorado, we make a lot of policy at the ballot box. Uh, so I'm going to try to say five times during this podcast, uh, you got to vote. Please vote. Don't forget to vote. Um, the chamber absolutely advocates for issues um, 
We've even advocated to make it easier for Coloradans to be part of our voting process. A few years ago, we uh, were the primary supporters of opening our primaries for unaffiliated voters. By the way, our largest number of voters in Colorado are unaffiliated, and we feel they should be, be able to vote in our primaries. So we're all about voting. I also want to mention this whole discussion about mail ballots. You know, in Colorado, we are a mail-in election. It's safe. It's secure. Uh, we're one of the best models in the nation for how you can vote. Our recommendation would be get your ballot in soon. It gives the Postal Service plenty of time to deliver it, and they will. You can actually track that delivery. And the sooner you get it in, the sooner you'll get off all those call lists of people trying to persuade you how to vote. Uh, so that would be a motivating factor. So vote early. Uh, I'm not going to say vote often. I am going to say vote early. The Chamber has taken positions on eight ballot issues this year. Uh, we have a long list. If you're interested in seeing what our members think about these issues, you can see our ballot guide at denverchamber.org slash 2020 ballot. We have a couple election-related events coming up. Uh, we have a nonpartisan voting initiative webinar. It's being conducted with uh, our affiliate BCivic. This is an organization of um, companies that are really motivated around philanthropy and social responsibility. And I think it'll be very interesting to hear that conversation about the importance of voting uh, and supporting your employees to vote. October 15th, we'll have a candidate forum between Senator Gardner and former Governor Hickenlooper. A great chance to hear from them. Uh, and you can always go to denverchamber.org to see even more. But did I mention, number one, you should vote. You know what? You got it in six times. You're good. <laughs> Directly six times. I feel like we're all we're all spoiled in Colorado when this whole debate or question about mail-in ballots came up. I was kind of I think we're all just kind of sitting here scratching our heads going, wait, I've been doing this since like 2013 or 2014 or something along those lines. And it's been hugely successful. So I, I feel like um, it's important to know that, uh, you know, Colorado has been leading the way and kudos to the, the leaders at the state level for making that something that we can do here. As you know, we like to end every episode with some sort of call to action to our listeners, something that um, anybody could do in their local community to help out during this time. And whether, Kelly, it's something uh, for you personally as a recommendation or something um, putting on your chamber hat where people could could help out what, where's the one place that, that people may be able to chip in right now? What can people do right now to make a difference in our, our Denver and Colorado communities? I love that you guys ask this question and make us think about what would we ask. Uh, I want to share that I think the pandemic has reminded us that our greatest power is sometimes in our ability to help or protect others. That the truth is, by wearing a mask, we're not protecting ourselves. We're protecting everybody else who may be around us. And the reason I mention this is because, frankly, wearing those masks, keeping a safe distance, not spreading the virus is the fastest way for us to bring our economic uh, success back and get people back to work. So that action, I certainly would rank high, but I'm going to ask the people listening to think beyond COVID that we have a lot more power than we often talk about, and that is the power to impact others' lives in a positive way. And I would challenge all of us, not just because of the pandemic, but look what you can do that could assist others at work, in your neighborhood, with your family, supporting local businesses and restaurants who desperately need your patronage, always thinking about what are the actions I can take that can help someone else today. Uh, because those are the things that will get us back faster and stronger and help get everybody in Colorado back to work. And of course, uh, did I mention you should vote? 
<laughs> Number seven. I love it. <laughs> I think it was actually eight. It's perfect. <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for taking the time. Um, we, we are obviously big supporters of the Chamber, of the Leadership Foundation, um, and anybody who's listening, um, certainly, you know, use that, use that chamber website, the information that exists there as a resource, because they put a lot of effort into making sure that we're all well educated, not only on what's happening with, um, the pandemic, but also what's happening on the ballot this November. So Kelly, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for doing business in Colorado. So on every episode, we talk about one cool thing that we've learned this week. And the one cool thing that I've been reading about is this movement called Time to Vote, which launched in February really to encourage companies to offer paid time off on Election Day or just make it a day without meetings. And so far, I think more than 600 companies have done this, including Coca-Cola and Gap and J. Crew and Nike and Twitter. And I'm proud to say that Ground Floor Media and Center Table have just joined this effort, um, and my dog is very happy about that, to uh, give employees time off on election day to vote. That's awesome. It's super important. Um, I think we all uh, who, who have the luxury of doing so probably take it for granted a little bit. So it's nice to see um, large companies of that scale chipping in to make sure that their employees have the chance to get out and vote. Um, if you liked what you heard today and you want to hear some more episodes, feel free to go to goodandgrounded.com where you can find all of our previous episodes. We're also on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify now that we have a few episodes up and running wherever you listen. Um, if you do hear of a good story that needs to be shared, uh, please let us know. Drop us a line. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Share it. Let's get out there and do some good in our Colorado communities. <laughs> <laughs>